Welcome to the Group Home Riches Podcast. If you have the desire to be your own boss, create your own schedule, and become financially free while at the same time helping people in need, then you've come to the right place. At GroupHomeRiches.com, we teach people exactly like yourself how to get started in the group home business. And on this podcast, you're going to hear their stories firsthand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Group Home Riches podcast. A couple of days ago, Andy was just chatting with people after our webinar, and we had someone inquire. He had a couple of questions, and then we found out he had quite a few properties already. He's only been in the community for about a year-ish, not too long. So we immediately reached out like, hey, man, you have to come on the podcast and tell your story because this sounds like some insane numbers. <laughs> so we have Jim Bode. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Cool. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, I'm happy I could be here. <laughs> so before we get into the details and everything, why don't you give the folks just an intro, you know, let them know where you're from, a little bit about your background. And then I always like to ask, what brought you into you don't remember the exact spot, but you were looking online how to start a group home. How did you even get into that? <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, my name is Jim Bode. I live in Washington State. I live in a small town just outside of our capital of Olympia. And I've been a real estate investor for about 18 years now. Cut my teeth in the Metro Phoenix area doing fix and flips. After the 07 market crashed, I actually moved up here to Washington just because the market was a lot better. I was just starting to break into this market as an uh, investor as well. And uh, just homes were still going for a lot more. And then really uh, what got me into the group home riches was I was going down that path of being a landlord, trying to build my long-term wealth. And COVID hit and it just changed the whole way that, that landlords had to do business. I mean, I literally had people that made good money that would tell me that I'm just not paying my rent because I don't have to and there's no recourse. <laughs> so that kind of put me through a tailspin. And I started searching for a way to not have to just sell all of my homes because uh, it's what I do for my wealth creation. And uh, I, I stumbled upon Group Home Riches. I'm pretty sure it was on a, a Facebook group somewhere, just uh, as I was in there searching around for a different way to rent my properties out and not be beholden to tenants that didn't have to pay me. And then, uh, boom, a, a year later, I've got uh, 10 actual sober living homes. Because uh, sober living is the main route that I've been going here. I've just connected myself with a bunch of uh, nonprofits around here that, that do things like that and have a lot of funding for it. And... Uh, Gosh, I've got another eight homes under construction that I'm working on that, I'm, that are all going to go into the group home model. And uh, it's just kind of been blowing up from there. Love to hear it. So you started doing investing, then the, the buy and hold strategy, and you got into the shared housing model, it sounds like around COVID time. Actually, I really got into the shared model just about a year ago after buying the gold course. Okay. Um, I was blessed that I had some rentals already and I was had some new ones coming up. So I was able to just instantly implement your guys' models and systems right into my rental homes. So, All right. Love to hear it. So you're into that upper echelon, almost record territory, where it sounds like you did about 10 properties in the first year. Absolutely. All right. Congrats. So <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Awesome, man. I, you definitely had the background. You had the real estate investing experience, but still to do 10 properties in a year, it's insane. So congrats. Thank you. So we don't want to give people inflated like sense of like what to expect, but that's definitely not like the common experience, but just to show you guys what can be done when you put your head down 10 properties in a year. That is awesome. So 
want to rewind a little bit, like just to let the folks know out there if they don't know about like real estate investing, let's dive into like the COVID time and like kind of the like what you went through that made you look into other strategies. Because a lot of people out there, I think they don't really understand the experience that landlords go through. I think they have the misconception that all landlords are just rich, like they purchase their properties with cash. Like all of the rent <laughs> is complete profit, right? So when I tell them what the average landlord is profiting per property, I don't think people believe me. And then on top of that, like the stuff that everyone went through with COVID was just insane. So why don't you talk about like before COVID, like how was the buying and hold strategy going for you? Well, in, unless you have that kind of money where you really can just go out and buy homes cash, being a landlord, most landlords I know are happy with three to $400 a month in positive income, which one, one issue can wipe out your whole year's worth of income in the blink of an eye as just a regular landlord. I still recommend it to people because beyond the stock market, it's the best way to actually build your long-term wealth because you're building that equity in the home and then somebody else is helping pay that down and you can get a little cash flow. But uh, where it ended up was... Uh, oh, go ahead. I would that you, you hit the nail on the head. It's definitely a long term strategy. I think a lot of people fall into it thinking it's going to be a cash vehicle for them, which often, <laughs> yeah, you're chuckling. <laughs> but <laughs> no, it takes a while to get to that. And, yeah. And quite a few homes. Honestly, unless you do this model, I mean, just a quick number and I'll, I'll get right back into it. I had a home that pre COVID I was getting $1,800 a month for. In my new model as group homes, and I mainly run sober living, I get $3,900 a month out of that same property. So, and I'm actually protected. I can actually evict people if they do the wrong things because they're never actually tenants because I just follow your model to a T. And it's never taken me more than 20 minutes to get somebody out of one of my houses when they broke the rules. And that's getting police involved if I, even if I had to. So, amazing. Where, where what made me really switch was when COVID hit, I had a couple of tenants that just flat out said, hey, you can't evict me. There's nothing you can do. I'm not going to pay my rent. They could afford to. They were making good money. They didn't lose their jobs. One of them was actually like a nurse making over 100K a year and just straight up 100% said, the rules say I don't have to pay you. <laughs> and it broke me. I didn't even know what to do. So, Yeah, it's so frustrating to hear those stories. I think you've listened to our podcast before. You may have heard me talk about my brother who's a landlord. Yes. Yeah. When COVID hit, I just didn't like, we just didn't talk about the business. Because <laughs> like, same thing. I think he had, I think when COVID hit, he was in the process of evicting like three or four clients anyways. And then when COVID hit, all of those people, like they didn't have to leave, even though they were getting evicted prior to COVID. And then like you said, anybody that didn't want to pay didn't have to. So yeah, I can't even empathize with you, but it's <laughs> yeah, it, it was devastating. Landlords, I, I got off easy compared to a lot of people. There were two rules that would get you out of that if you sold the home or if you moved into it. I actually did end up selling a couple of those homes because it just I couldn't afford to let somebody live for years. I, who knew how long it was going to be in those homes for free? So I did sell a couple of homes, which I didn't want to do, but but it worked. It all worked out, and now I'm in a better place than I've ever been, and. I'm helping more people than I ever thought I could help. Love to hear it. Before that, you were doing fix and flips and things like that? Correct. For about the last 18 years, I've done nothing but uh, real estate investing. And 
I started off purely doing fix and flips, fascinated by that quick, fast cash. But let me tell you, went away really quick when I stopped doing fix and flips. <laughs> I took about two years off with my wife and traveled and had fun and came back pretty broke. <laughs> Well, you learn, right? (laughs) Yes, but I I at least have a great set of skill sets that let me jump right back on the horse and and get back into the position I'm in now. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I tell real estate investors when they come to us. I'm like, look, if you can do wholesaling or you can like flip a property, or even if you can get to the point where like you figure out how to get a rental and get people in there, like you don't even have to be successful. This business model is so much simpler. And you don't need as much, you know, capital to get started. So if you can do those things, which are extremely competitive, one, and they're pretty intensive, right? It's not like you could just purchase a property and rent it and cash flow. You typically have to figure out how to get off market properties, negotiate. Then you need to figure out how to do the construction and stuff, all to make an absolute best case scenario, three or 400 bucks per month, right? So <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> if, if you can do that, then when you transition to this, you see it's it was a lot probably a lot simpler to scale this than it was your the buy and hold stuff. Oh, night and day simpler. Yep. Everything has its roadblocks. And I've been blessed I understand how to build good teams. Cause uh the the place I deviated from the model is I don't really put anybody in charge in the houses. I out of the gate hired someone. Um she was actually coming out of the caregiver world and uh, she runs all of my homes. So I brought her on right away, even full time before I even had the first home, before I even had somebody in my first home. Okay. And then now I've built it up to where the relationships I've built with some of the inpatient drug clinics that I work with, I actually have two guys that still work there, but now work for me as well. And they do all of my UAs. They do all of my, I guess if you want to call it enforcing, I don't make my girl Shay come out and kick people out. She has her two guys that will come and make somebody leave if they're doing drugs. Because we had a guy, his first night in the house, wanted to smoke fentanyl in the bathroom. And he was gone that night. He was gone in within 30 minutes of us finding out about it. So yeah, uh, let's dive into that. And then I want to hear about kind of the organizational structure, but you brought up that point. And that's one of the things that a lot of people kind of worry about, right? Like, okay, yeah, there's all these advantages, but what happens if you have to quote unquote evict somebody? As long as you don't make them a tenant <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're, they're under these programs, it's held up most places. I can't say that it's held up everywhere because I don't have that ne- that level of knowledge. But Washington State's pretty tough. They definitely are not for the landlords. They're much more for the, the tenants. And uh, when they're in these programs, especially sober living, because it's so needed right now with all of the drug, ep- drug epidemics that we have going on, they enforce that. The police have had to come out to two different properties. And they know me now, so they don't even question it or have to see anything. Just when I call them, they know they're coming out to one of our sober living homes and they remove people. <laughs> and and you it, the, it's quick. The licensee agreement from the gold course? <laughs> Almost verbatim. I've added a few things to it. and just I, I've juiced up the rules a little bit more just mm-hmm. to fit my needs in my area. But yeah, absolutely. If that's all you were using, you'd be in a good place. Yeah. And same thing that's held up here in, in Texas for Andy. You know, he's had court involved like just a handful of times. The majority of the times, if there is, you know, if you do have to ask someone to leave, we like to compare it to a hotel, right? Like if a stern, confident management person goes to a hotel guest and asks them to leave nine times out of 10, that person's just going to leave. So sounds like you have maybe like a security team or something like that in place. 
I would say it's it's something like that. I mean, on a daily basis, what they do is they are drug counselors. So, and I am in a smaller town, about 11,000 people. So there is another good note. They do know these counselors. A lot of the people I get come through these their programs because they have a pretty big size inpatient treatment center. And then the way it actually works is uh, I'm now certified up here with HARPS to be able to get federal money. And then the place that, that they come through, Northwest Resources, is, is the place that these guys come through. They actually have their own money. So most of my tenants come in with three months of HARPS money, and then they can get another three months of that Northwest money. And then they can reapply and sometimes get another three to six months as well. So I've had some people that have been in my homes all the way up to a year now. With my investing side, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit. There's a lot that happens with this. But yeah. uh, I've actually hired quite a few of these guys that work for me now. They do construction for me because I do run construction companies because I do all my own construction on all my own projects. And uh, it's just kind of been a win-win-win. Like these guys get a free place to stay. They get a job. <laughs> Then I move them on to single units when they do good and graduate from all of their free money and are doing are staying good and clean. So that's awesome. So it's kind of like uh, they can see the light at the end of the tunnel, basically. Absolutely. You, give, you well, give them a path. Yes. Well, because I actually, you know, this can be a really abused model because just like the dollar amounts that I gave you, you can get a lot of money per person in these things and you can cram people into a house and just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. and not monitor that house. I get people from a few other houses that actually most of them are closed already, but from a few other houses in my area where there's really not any supervision. The person comes around every couple of weeks, once a month, just kind of checks in. Uh, but like the, one guy came to me, they were dealing drugs out the window. People were getting drunk in the house. And I mean, it's supposed to be a sober living home. So if they're not run well, they're those blights on the community. But when they're run well, they're a huge uplifting part of the community because you can get that thing that people will come to you and say, I don't want a boarding home next to me. And I've had to deal with that more than once. And once I break down and explain to them that, look, I'm actually probably going to be your best neighbor because my guys are here under rules. They're going to keep it clean. They're going to mow the lawn. <laughs> then they ultimately end up really liking and appreciating what I'm doing in the community. hundred percent. And um, yeah, what was I going to say? Sorry. So I'm, I'm, I'm well caffeinated and I'm a pretty fast talker anyway. So yeah. Like to- <laughs> yeah awesome info. So, well, let's talk about like how you find these people, right? Like the first step, you've kind of talked about a couple of the programs that you work with. Let's rewind to the beginning. Like when you first found us, why don't we talk about that first step that we recommend? How did you start finding those places and even getting people in your doors to begin with? I instantly just started following your guys' directions. I one, I I put up a website right away and started, and I put out right just on my Facebook, just to the friends and family that I know. Hey, this is what I'm starting to do. I didn't actually have a house ready. I didn't have anything ready, but I just put it out there to the universe, and I started getting calls. Hey, my brother is about to get out of treatment, and he needs a place to go, and they're willing to pay up to seven hundred dollars a month for him for three months. And so I started building my list right away. I've read online. I know it doesn't go as easy for everybody, but like if you're really out there and you're hitting these people and you've got a good product, I just Googled drug treatment centers in my area. And I actually take people from about four hours away also. And I've gotten six people in the last 30 days from one that's completely on the other side of the state from here. So, but it was reaching out, finding out who I needed to talk to. And there is a need. There's going to be a need for a really long time. They're dying for great places to put people into. And here's what I've heard. Here's you brought up a really good point previously. 
about people that they cram people in there. They don't really care about the tenants. They're just in it for quick cash, which the cash can be amazing. But you kind of hit the nail on the head. They're closed now, probably. Right. So Most how, of them how important is the word of mouth? Like the word of mouth, just that, okay, Jim's actually going to take these people in. He cares about his tenants. How quick did that kind of snowball and how important is the word of mouth been with your marketing? I'd say the most important. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> the bad word of mouth goes even faster. Um, yeah, I would my first right. week opening my home, someone overdosed in it. And I knew I shouldn't have took the guy. I, I, and I've never made that mistake since. The guy wasn't ready to be clean. And I can't believe how fast I heard about that. It wasn't even an hour after it happened that I had people calling me talking about it. But you can clean it up once you do the right things and run them well. But uh, the word of mouth to get to get people in there, it absolutely snowballs. The guys that live in my home go down to their group meetings and they talk to other people. So our phone rings all day long and with people looking to come into our houses. We have a huge waiting list. I mean, I think we're cresting 100 people on our waiting list. So that word of mouth is massive, but it is both directions. So don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Just step right in and <laughs> take accountability for your mistakes and, and let them know that you're there to keep it clean. And we upped our drug testing after that. We upped our interview process. No one can come to us unless they've been clean for a minimum of 30 days. They have to UA into the house. So protect your house and protect your people for sure. And uh, the, the word will spread in a positive way beyond your imagination. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's what we tell people like, look, you're in it for the right reasons, which 99% of the people that find us, they are, they're just looking to help the community and uh, make a good living doing so. I don't think we have many people that are trying to be slumlords <laughs> out there, Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, you see it in your area. Yeah. There were homes that were doing that, but they're gone quickly. Right. They really were that they don't normally don't make it too long. So you mentioned like the drug testing and things like that. Did you have to go through any type of certification process or licensing or anything like that? Or no, okay. not, none at all. <laughs> Why don't you break that down for the people? Because a lot of, especially if this is the first time listening, you just blew their mind. <laughs> gotcha. Um, <laughs> no, that, absolutely. Because we're not providing services to them. So the, the drug testing is just a part of being in the, the program that they're in, which is sober living. And there's a lot of things they have to do because for them to keep their money, they have to keep in touch with their case managers and things like that as well. But uh, nope, there's absolutely no licensing, no requirements, no real schooling or knowledge that you need from it. I mean, being able to work with people really helps a lot because you are working with people. You're working with some people that have really hit their rock bottom and they're trying to come back up. You know, you're working with some people that are just there to manipulate the system. So it's being able to kind of wade through all of that. But there's nothing you really need, the, the right attitude and the want to help. So so as far as like the, the drug testing, the counseling, the programs and things like that, your company is not providing that, but it's the organizations that you have built relationships with. They provide all the counseling and they do drug testing as well. I do do my own drug testing just because if I feel like anybody's doing anything wrong, we do go in and drug test and we randomly drug test probably at least once a month. But that's just to keep everybody honest and, and on their toes. And uh, we just do that internally, but there's no rules or guidelines to it, really. I get my drug tests off Amazon and we just knock them out. And if they fail, we'll give them the opportunity to take it one more time. And if not, then they're out in 15 minutes. 
We get them out super quick and we just let them know that, hey, gather up everything you can. You've got 15 minutes. Anything you can't get, we'll, we'll get to you. And that's 100% how we do it. It's just, it's a zero tolerance. Yeah, you definitely have to run a tight, structured ship, right? Because, Correct. yeah, that may, you know, that's tough for the people if they screwed up and they have to leave, but it's not about that. It's about the other people that are there in recovery, right? They're, you they're have there to protect them. Structured place, yep. They're at such a fragile place in life, just recovering on this smell and see and hear in those drugs. It can pull people back in so quickly. You really owe it to them to have a zero tolerance because it is hard. The first person we kicked out, me and me and Shay, were up late at night. It was 1230 at night. And we're talking, what do we do? It's cold. It's this, it's that. You can send them to the hospital. Here, get in this cab. I'm going to send you up to the hospital. It's nice and warm. You can sit in their waiting room until tomorrow morning and you can find a different place to go. Go back to your counselor. But you have to get them out. You just have to. And do you work with like the caseworkers? Is there kind of a good relationship there, almost like a partnership? It is one of your best partnerships. It's a place well worth investing your time. Those case managers do get to steer people where they want them to go and don't want them to go. And and they are a valuable asset. They'll, they'll either throw you people that aren't ready to come out and get into a program, or they'll, they'll only fund you the people that are really ready. So but those are huge relationships to build. And they normally know other case managers too. So it really, it's all networking and building that sphere. And you've just got different sides that you want to build. So if you're looking for landlords, landlords tend to know more landlords. You go get a group home from a landlord and he says, man, these guys have been great. They're paying me a little bit above market rent. I don't have to think about anything. Well, their friends are like, well, do they have more people? Can they rent one of my houses? So, <laughs> uh, so it's all, it's pretty much everything in life. If you want to really be successful at it, you got to build the right network. Yep. 100%. And guys, I want you to take note out there. Yes, Jim had done real estate investing before, but he started doing the marketing and stuff before he had the property ready to go. It sounds like, right? Absolutely. It's kind of how I do everything. I always market my products before I even. So Andy's the same way. Like, uh, even though he's been doing it for 20 years, if you guys listen to the marketing calls in the gold course, You'll never hear us talk about the actual property because we want to find the program that we're going to work with or build up the wait list. Then we'll go, you know, maybe convert one of the properties or go look for another property. So for the folks out there who are just starting, they're not really sure what to do. That's the first step we recommend is, hey, start networking, start talking with these people, let them know what you're going to do. You don't have to lie. You don't have to say (laughs) that you have all these properties ready to go. To say, hey, looking to start this up. Here's what I want to do. Tell me a little bit about your program. <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. I take a big waiting list over a property any day of the week. So, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> and you it, got and it you have 100. It's all risk tolerance, right? So, <laughs> everyone's risk tolerance is different, but even yourself, like, would you want to go purchase a property and fix it up if you didn't have a wait list right now? Not specifically, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe your risk tolerance has gone up because you know how to do it, but yeah, the the points the same. So, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about the organizational structure. So, I'll give like the basics from the gold course, kind of how we typically do things. We'll have a house supervisor in each property, and that's just the trustworthy tenant. They're just, if anyone's breaking the rules, it's going to be escalated to what we call the operational manager. Most of our clients just kind of start out 
almost wearing all of the hats to begin with. <laughs> they may have to be the supervisor in the beginning, you know, because they're getting to know their tenants. They're usually typically the operational manager till like, I don't know, I would say like the third, fourth, fifth property is when people start to look for that operations person. But it sounds like you kind of got it from the beginning, probably with your business experience, you realized you needed to find that operations person ASAP. So why don't you tell us about kind of how you did that and kind of how your structure is broken down? Absolutely. I love the way the gold course runs that out. And I would say your numbers are right there between three and five. It does start to make sense where you can pay somebody, but, and, and it is well worth learning how to do it on your own, how to run everything. So that way, if you ever have to, you can, it's nothing stinks more than having to step back into shoes. You don't actually know how to fill, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, we started down that path, kind of trying to empower somebody in the house. And uh, for me, it just didn't work well, but that's why I brought Shay on and she is full-time her daily the biggest thing now that actually takes up her time is, is interviews because our pipeline's so getting so full. But uh, her daily, she actually hits all of our houses on a daily basis, checks in with all the guys, makes sure everybody's doing things. Looks, We have a, a big whiteboard in every home. So everybody puts up on the whiteboard the meetings and things that they're going to. So then that way she can go in, just kind of check on them. But uh, I can see how the model you guys do would work, kind of entrusting someone there so they tell you. But we talk with all of our people about that, how important it is that they pass along information when people aren't doing the right thing. And pretty much everyone in the house tells us what's going on. So if someone is doing something wrong, we tend to get five phone calls because there's normally, most of my homes are three bedrooms right now. So there'll be six people staying there. So five people will be calling us, telling us that one person is doing something wrong because uh, we built that culture in the homes that you're not a rat, you're not a snitch. This is your sobriety. This is your livelihood. This is your life. And they're all taking that to heart. So uh, the way I'm structured right now is I've got my operations manager, Shay, and then I have two, I don't specifically know what to call them, but like I said, they're both actually drug counselors. So they come in and they do checkups when like Shay's out of town right now and they've been checking on the houses for while she's on vacation. And uh, they do all of our UAs. They will kick people out when we need them to. They'll help do tasks if we have to, hey, help us get this washer and dryer in there. But uh, that's the way I structured it out right away just because... Uh, I knew that I was going to blow it up once, especially once I got my first house filled. I'm like, okay, this is my path. I want a hundred of these. So, cause my goal has been a hundred rental properties for a long time. And, uh, now it's a hundred group homes. Nice. Got to get into multifamily too. And that's what I'm building mainly now. Like in my town, I can build up the triplexes before it's considered a commercial. I actually just bought a small little apartment complex that I'm turning into a uh, all group homes as well. So yeah, love the multifamily. It's where I'm building my long-term wealth. And then uh, it's really where I'm making my biggest impact in life is being able to do this, uh, uh, the, the sober living homes. Yeah. I mean, think of how many people you've helped so far just in the short year, right? Oh, absolutely. It's been intense. Like, I don't know any other way I could have helped this many people. So you have Shay, who's your operational manager. I guess that you may call it different, but she's the one that handles all the day-to-day -day activities. And then two other people that are helping. And those were... They were former tenants of yours? Uh, no, they're actually active drug counselors. Okay. Very yeah, cool. I just, I, I built a relationship with them down there and, you know, asked if they had any interest in some side work. And they absolutely did. They love the extra money. And, and it's right in their wheelhouse. It's what they're already doing. So, and are, do you pay them hourly? Like, are they employees of yours? They are employees, but I just have a set amount right now. And I basically broke it down. When I have this many homes, I'll pay you this much. When I have this many homes, I'll pay you this much. And then uh, if they're excessively doing things, I will compensate them more. Awesome. And then Shay, you brought on 
right from the jump, what's her, you don't have to go into specifics, but is it like a profit sharing kind of thing or how does that work with her? Well, it started off just as hourly. And now what it's come to is we're starting our own nonprofit and she's coming on board with that. And yes, she is getting into profit sharing with this as well because we're just kind of getting all of the homes to capacity now. So now it's starting to get where the cash flow is really, it's starting to exceed the expenses for sure. So, and it, and it has been for a while, but it takes time. I mean, you're buying, you know, you're buying beds. And I actually did go out my first couple of homes. I bought everything brand new just because it made me feel good. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you'll find out getting used stuff is a much better place to go. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, so now we're getting into true profitability and yes, and I had no problem breaking that down. Um, this year, once we filled the, these next two homes, she's going to go into a 25% profit share with me. And then it's just going to go up from there. And I'm actually showing her how to rebuild her credit so she can actually start coming in and buy some of these homes with me and be an owner and start building her long-term wealth as well. Amazing. So, and on the 10 properties, is she, is it to the point where it's getting to be kind of full-time work for her or what's that like? Yes, it definitely is. But uh, like I was saying that what really takes the majority of her time is uh, we just get so many phone calls every day and she's stacked on interviews for people that want to get into our houses because uh, we do run people through an interview process. It's You'll learn really quickly. You don't just want to take everybody. You really only want to take people that are ready and committed to their sobriety or they'll fail. Yeah. And even if it's different demographics, you want to take people that are going to follow the house rules in general, right? It's not, Absolutely. It's not just like your private home, you're living in basically a family unit. You need to get along. Like you can't, this isn't a place for you to have friends over and party and stuff like that. So you definitely have to weed a lot of people out. It's not about, you know, once you have everything in place and the marketing, it's not about like just trying to fill the beds. It's like weeding out people who are going to get along. Absolutely. And you'll regret just filling the beds because it'll come back to you, to you in a negative way because you'll let the wrong people in. And it's no matter what, it's it's not fun evicting people. It's never fun kicking people out. And they run through the whole cycle. First, they're sad and, you know, I'm sorry. Then it starts to turn to anger. Then it's your fault. Then you're, you know, so I mean, it's just you, you watch them go through the whole psychological phase of I got caught and it's never fun. It's just the blessing is, is that it's held up that we can actually remove people from these homes when we have to. Because if you couldn't, everyone else would leave and you'd be, you'd have no one but bad people in your house. So, yeah, Andy always says one apple will ruin the whole bunch. So you need to oh. remove those apples ASAP as and, quickly as you possibly can. Yeah, we touch on that a little bit. So let me like break down the basics for people out there. So it's not like Jim is leasing the property to these people, right? So uh, we have the document that Andy uses, and it's probably very similar to what Jim uses in the gold course. And all we're doing, guys, is licensing space to these people. The agreement is written heavily in the landlord's favor. So, you know, it's basically the house rules written in legalese. And if those people break those rules, again, very similar to like a hotel or something like that, someone breaks the rules, they're just asked to leave. And then that's it. You know, it's no eviction process or anything like that. And we've kind of talked about how Jim quote unquote evicts folks. And it's you're to the point where the police understand what you're doing. They know you and they'll assist when needed. Absolutely. And it didn't take much just showing on my agreement and I verbatim just used your guy's agreement. I changed the names on it. And then all that's happened is just over time. I just added to it. 
I just added rules. I've added more laundry rules. And I'm just like, it's just all the things you don't even think about. Like, you know, how long somebody's taking a shower for. You got guys taking two hour showers. I pay all the utilities. (laughs) And not only that, you got five other guys waiting around for two bathrooms. So it's just all those little rules matter. Not having food in their rooms. I mean, just so much more you'll see and want to add to your own. But if all you did was take what you get from the gold course, you're golden. Like it works. <laughs> Love to hear it. Let's talk about since you do have the experience in rentals, why don't you break down like the advantages and disadvantages to each model? Why do you like this model compared to uh, the traditional buy and hold? I've had rentals for a long time, and you know you get those amazing tenants that come in, they just live in the house, they leave at nice, and they're fairly rare. And, you know, you can, like I said, you can do well. I mean, you can bring in a lot of money on a rental if you have a lot of money to put down and you can get deep equity and things like that, but you're out of pocket a lot of money. But also, regular tenants are very hard to get out of a home. I mean, anytime I've had to evict a tenant that's on a regular lease, it's $5,000. It's cost me minimum five grand to evict somebody. And that's almost just all my attorney fees. That's not even including all my lost rent and the damages that they end up doing where with the group home riches model. I mean, I get people out within 15 to 20 minutes or as long as it takes for the police to get there if they won't leave. It's such a better model as a landlord all around. And uh, I'm not marketing and screening lots of different people where with this, I mean, I kind of have a choice. And ultimately, once you build your network out, you will as well, because you'll start to build a list of people that want to come into your home. So those are the two major differences to me. And so... The, the ease of getting people out when things go wrong, which inevitably at some point they will. And then also, I mean, at the end of the day, the cash flow can be a lot better in these models, in the group home model. Yeah, I know you you invested a lot into the team, it sounds like, and the furniture and stuff like that. Are they cash flowing now, you said, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Everything cash flows pretty crazy now. And uh, the other big thing too is like now what I do is like, I've got a couple of homes I've been getting ready to open. I just put out on my Facebook page that, hey, you know, because I have one for, it's called Shelton Housing First is what my company is called for the group homes. And I just put out, hey, Shelton Housing First is looking for furniture and any type of household items. I mean, I have filled my last three, four houses pretty much for free. I bought TVs because I need to buy the Wi-Fi TVs now so I can connect them just with Wi-Fi and not wires. But other than that, I mean, I get pots, pans, beds, linens. I mean, it's amazing what people are willing to give. Oh, yeah. And I actually, three days ago, got my first donation of almost $2,000. So really, there's just people out there that are excited about these types of things and are ready to help and give. So that's awesome. So they just saw what you were doing in the community and just wanted to donate. Absolutely. Amazing. And you mentioned that you guys are starting a nonprofit. We are indeed. We're kicking off our nonprofit because, uh, I do a lot of fundraisers it is in my community and uh, we're actually getting ready to start doing these. So that way we can do a couple of things. We can help, it can help furnish, help homes. It can actually help buy homes. And then we want to be able to self fund as much as we can as well. So when it comes time for these people, to, when their harps money runs out, when their, their money from their treatment center runs out, that we don't have to put them out on the street. We can keep paying for people to stay in our homes through our fundraising efforts if we need to. Awesome. Very cool. Well, it's been only one year. I'm excited to see what happens over the next, like, shoot, just where you're at in one year from now is going to be crazy. Um, (laughs) What are the overall, like, what's the three-year plan? 
three-year plan is to hit that that hundred home mark, and then uh, really for me, I'm turning. I'm actually going to be turning fifty in three years, and I'm retiring. So, okay, so going to scale it out and then just get in and get out quick. My intention is though is to is to have it keep running. Shay is much younger than me. She's just turned in, in thirty, so she's got a long time to be able to run this. My hopes are is to really be able to kind of pass the gauntlet over to her. And then, you know, of course, I'll still be involved in it and it will still be long-term investments for me. But uh, my goal is to kind of be out of completely, well, completely be out of this and, and out of investing. So Yeah, out of the day-to-day activities for sure. Absolutely. And then Shay will probably find her own, you know, Shay's underneath her, I'm sure. Absolutely. She's already looking. <laughs> <laughs> she sees where we're going. We're kind of like a rocket right now, so... Yeah, well, it sounds like you built, there's a lot of moving parts and things like that. A lot of people that you're dealing with and the properties and things like that. I know you're still in scale mode, but as far as like the management and the day-to-day activities, how much time would you spend per week on like the day-to-day stuff, managing the business? Oh, for me, really, it's managing the business. I'd say it's zero. I kind of look at numbers and just, we have a spreadsheet that I look at, but I mean, maybe I spend an hour a week on that stuff, just do we have any open beds? You know, what what do we need? What do you need? And that's about it. Shay does pretty much everything. Unbelievable. <laughs> so 10 properties, a very little time spent on the day-to-day activities. Guys, I want you to take note of that. We kind of broke down the business and a lot of the moving parts, but Jim spends, you know, very little time on the actual like day-to-day stuff. Like if you wanted to, you could probably go on vacation for a couple of weeks and things would just run smoothly. Absolutely. That's the way to be. Guys, you want to be working on your business, but not in it. And Jim's a perfect example of that. So 10 properties, you got a couple like multifamily stuff going on. How many, and you're building other properties, you said? like Correct. Pipeline? Correct. I've got two triplexes. Then I'm building two duplexes and then a handful of single family homes. And what's nice is I build a little bit different now too, because I build and and focus on getting bigger bedrooms. I add external bathrooms and I'll add like one I just did. I ended up adding two bathrooms to it, but I added two shower areas and then I added two toilet areas. So that way there'll be 10 people that will be able to live in this home. So then that way people can use the toilet while people are using the shower. So just trying to make life a little more convenient. I build two closets in every room now as opposed to one. And then the room sizes really matter. The biggest complaint that I got out of anything that we've done was bunk beds. People hate bunk beds. They'll live in them, but they hate them. So once I got away from the bunk beds, then my conversion rate really went up because we did have people that wouldn't move in because they didn't want to be in a bunk. Yeah, you'll see that in the sober living. Like Andy has one where it's bunk beds, but that was like, it was very transitional. There were people that were only going to be there for like two or three months. So right now you're just doing like the standard roommate situation, it sounds like, or do you do private rooms? I don't have any private rooms at this point, other than I do some private stuff, like I said, for my guys that like graduate and work for me under construction and things that have been doing really good. So I've done that. And I actually, another one that I've got that I'm not counting towards any of my houses is I do have some really nice RVs that I have on lots as well that I have that some of my guys live in solo that like out of all of the programs and stuff. And those are pretty insane cash flowers because it, it's, it's an RV. <laughs> uh, yeah. The upkeep is like a couple hundred bucks per month. If that, right. Exactly. And, <laughs> and 
and they pay more because they get to live in them alone. So I get eight fifty a month for the RV spaces. Awesome. Well, amazing to see what you've done in a year. We definitely have to have you on for a part two to hear how these new properties go. I'm excited to see what you could do, man. Well, thank you, man. I can't express how much I appreciate you guys putting out your course that you did and marketing it as well as you did, because I said, I still don't fully know how I found it, but it has definitively changed my future in in real estate and being a landlord because I'm no longer a landlord. I I run licensee programs now. (laughs) Love to hear it, man. Well, do you have any parting words for the folks out there? This absolutely works. Everything seems easy when you're looking at it from the outside. There's a lot of work to this, but it's simple steps. It's None of it takes high education. None of it actually takes a lot of money, especially if like one, you have a house or you can get into a rental and just get good at being able to sell what you're doing and all of the benefits to this. And I'm happy to talk with anybody about that as well. From a landlord perspective, if you were going to try to rent one of these for me or from trying to rent these from a landlord. So I'm excited where I'm heading. I'm excited to see some other people do this. And I love, love the group you guys have online as well. I get lots of good tips and tricks from that. So yeah, you're in the new school group right? I am indeed. Cool. And yeah, guys, you've heard us talk about the gold course, head to grouphomeriches.com. Bare minimum, sign up for the free material. We'll email you over a couple of days, just videos and guides to kind of break down just the basics so you understand the business model. And then if it sounds like something for you, grab the gold course. At the time of recording, it's only $199. We also have a group for members on the school platform where you can, at the time of recording, there's 1,500 people in there, various levels, but you have Jim in there, you have all of our coaches, and just that alone, like you can, (laughs) if you're active, asking questions, following through, you can pretty much learn it all through there, I think, and then just kind of use the gold course to supplement the actions that you take. So definitely do that, and we're here to help along the way. So if you guys have questions, you can always email us. We're happy to help especially folks that are taking action on uh, on what we tell them to do. So, Jim, I want to thank you, man. Thank you for taking our content, running with it, and basically just exploding over the last year. Very cool to hear. Um, awesome. Where can folks find you? Um, gosh, you know, I'm pretty easy to find. I put my number on everything I do in my email address. But my easiest one is uh, Facebook. I'm pretty active on. And on that one, it's actually James Bode just because that's my surname. And when I signed up for Facebook 25 years ago, or whatever it was, I thought I had to use my legal name. So, <laughs> and I've just never changed it. So, And that's James Bode, B-O-A-D. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll have to do a part two here soon. Absolutely, man. You have an amazing day. It was great talking with you. All right. Thank you, man.